What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Amatelica TIS podcast with your host, yours truly, Josh Shields. Got a jam-packed good show for you today. Sorry for the two-day delay, folks. The college has just gotten crazy, so... And I'll give you an episode here on a Friday night, or if you're an early sleeper on a Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. Recap week nine of the National Football League, of course. Preview week 10 and week 10 picks against the spread. Got uh, two items of business two items of business to get to it as far as baseball and the NBA is concerned one per one per each sport and of course I'll talk about the 2020 masters which uh, began on Thursday yesterday and uh, and we are in the thick of things with that so we'll talk some golf uh, later on in the program as well um, but like I said sorry for the delay cause is getting real crazy um um, my schedule will be, you know, because it's been like a complete, you know, it's, you know, y'all that's done college before, y'all know how it goes. It's, it's just, it's, it's a, I wouldn't say it's a round the clock job, but it, you got to give more attention to it than you would as per se a high school. So, so apologies for that, which is why I didn't get an episode out for you guys on Wednesday and didn't get one out for you guys on Thursday. Thursday was a big part because I, had to go to the dentist in the middle of the afternoon, so it would have uh, would have thrown my whole day off. So, but I'm here with you now. Uh, no show on Saturday. No show on Saturday. You get a show here on Friday, and I promise I will have a show out for you guys on Wednesday, the 18th of November. But having said all of that, let's uh, preview or excuse me, recap. Week 9 of the National Football League between the uh, Indianapolis Colts and the Baltimore Ravens. Also, I'll get to the Colts' uh, big-time win over Tennessee uh, during the recap. So you get two Colts games for the price of one that I will talk about here in the opening monologue. As far as the Baltimore Ravens are concerned, took care of business against the Colts 24-10. to um, and uh, Ravens' offense, I give them credit that you know it's, they have some ridiculous uh streak game streak going on of of scoring at least 20 games in every single game that they've played which i guess you could sort of say as a positive i guess but judging by the looks of things this offense has to get has to get themselves in order and they and they have to change i know they i understand that they won the game by two touchdowns but you know lamar jackson 19 for 23 170 yards passing it's, I'm sorry, playoff time, is, it's not going to cut it. It's just, it is not going to cut it. Like I said, like I said, what, last week? Yeah, uh, yeah, going on last week. Yeah, last Saturday. You know, Lamar Jackson, and I said it with Brendan, and I said it the Wednesday prior to that, you know, the Baltimore Ravens, and if they want to win a championship, and if they want to prove to America that they're a big-time football team and want to strike fear into the hearts of their opponents, Lamar Jackson has to go out there and beat teams with his arm. He's just, you know, I understand he's most comfortable throwing the football. I understand all that, but some, but something has to give. 13 carries, 58 yards, rushing, a touchdown run, I grant you that. But 19 for 23, 170 yards passing is not going to blow any team away under any circumstances. I mean, you can you couldn't even get a receiver. You couldn't even get a receiver to reach 50 yards receiving. I mean, that... 
that you, you I'm sorry it's just you can't you can't do it you, and the offense was spotty uh, the center center was was uh, very sloppy snapping the football to Jackson the snaps were too high too far to the right too far to the left they was they were low they were high you know he had a he had a botch snap earlier in the game which could have cost Baltimore and then you had um you had Gus Edwards fumble the football down within the Colts on third. So the offense, you know, they got away with it because they're playing the Indianapolis Colts. And this isn't exactly, this isn't uh, Peyton Manning's and Tony Dungy's Indianapolis Colts teams of 2005, 2006, etc. But if they want to, if they want to win a championship, they got to change up. They need to, they, that offense needs major, major, major improvement from Greg, from Greg Roman with the, with the play calling that according to Lamar Jackson as he told Rich Eisen earlier in the week how the defense somehow knows what play is coming which is something I would not advise under any circumstance I understand young kid in his early 20s but you do not air your dirty laundry like that out out, out in public towards the media under any circumstances you just don't I, I written nothing against Rich and he's a phenomenal guy great guy and a phenomenal talent at the NFL Network and his radio show but you, I don't care who it is. You do not air out your dirty laundry, which should remain in locker room, in house, and should be addressed one on one, face to face with your coaches. You don't go, you don't sit up here and tell the media that. You just don't. I'm sorry. You there are some things that you do that you can and cannot do as a player, and airing out your dirty laundry to uh, to the media about about uh, about the fact you don't like the uh, the coaching style. Or uh, or the play calling is uh, you 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 don't do that okay that that's just as bad as Hollywood Brown tweeting what he tweeted after the Steeler game and when uh, and that you're not and that anonymous Cowboy player you know running over to Jane Slater on a Tuesday practice saying well, the coaches have no idea what they're doing and act like and they essentially are not very good at their job. You don't do that. Stuff like that should remain in-house. No one else from the outside world should find out about it. And that should be done in a private room, private setting, private meeting, face-to-face, one-on-one. If not in person, then on a Zoom call, FaceTime, whatever. So, but that offense had, you know, the center was very sloppy in the game, snapping the ball to Jackson, fumbling the football left and right. Gus, Gus Edwards, I'm talking to you now. Lamar Jackson got lucky a couple times in that game. Had if had it been the Pittsburgh game, he would have fumbled about maybe two, three times uh, on Sunday against Indianapolis. Very careless with the foot, very careless with the football as far as not being, not having that ball high and tight, tucked in and secure like he should. Um, it's just the offense, you know, they've done, you know, they won the game granted, but again, they're not going to be playing. You're not going to be playing. Well, maybe you are, you never know, but if you're trying to get to a Super Bowl, you're not going to be facing the Indianapolis Colts in the AFC championship game that I can tell you, Kansas city, Pittsburgh, or those two, especially. And if you face the Titans again, and if you and if you face the Titans again, what 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 do you have to tell me that y'all can beat the Titans on the road no less? Because it looks like Pittsburgh's going to win this division. So if the Titans, you know, they as they lost the game in the division, Colts are now in first place instead of Tennessee after the game last night. 
But if you got to go on the road to Tennessee, what makes me think like Lamar Jackson can go on the road and take care of business against Tennessee? I understand their defense is spotty, and they let the and they let that lame duck Colts offense put up thirty on them, and they let uh and they let Joe Burrow go nuts on them two weeks back. But uh, this defense did have answers for Lamar, uh, at, you know, ten months ago back in January. Keep that in mind as well. But that but their offense has to get it in the gear. Not turn, not fumbling the football left and right. Being more smart, being more have better ball security with your ball handlers. You know, it, when you can you can be a if you want to be a run first, ground and pound, old school fashioned hot slash college hybrid football team when it comes to running the football all the time. That's fine. What you cannot do is put the ball on the ground and fumble it left and right. You want to run the ball ninety million times a game? Fine. But you can't you can't turn over the football fumbling it. Whether it's just dropping it as soon as you make contact, letting the ball get stripped, and not have not having enough field awareness of the defenders creeping up behind you for them to snap the ball, snap, slap the ball out of your hand, Lamar Jackson. You want to run? Fine. You can't turn over the football. You just can't. You can. You can't. You cannot do it. If you want to be a run heavy team, run first team. Fine, but you gotta learn how to protect the football in the process. You can't run the ball ninety thousand times a game, and y'all fumble the football an average five and on an on average five times a game. You can't do that, and expect to win football games, and expect to go where y'all want to go, and that's Super Bowl fifty five. You just can't do it. And Lamar Jackson again has to be more proficient and more uh, precise. With his, with his with his passing, he has to get with Roman Harbaugh. I don't care who you get with, you got to work on it. Case closed. Case closed. Defense played well. Got a scoop and score in the game. Uh, got a scoop and score in the game. Helped the Colts to just ten points, which were uh, which was the first half, to, which was the first quarter touchdown, second quarter field goal. No scoring for them throughout the rest of that game. That Marcus Peters interception was not an interception. I don't care what the rule says. I don't care what Harbaugh says. That's not an interception. You know, the, if I look at a slow motion, okay, fine. It looks like a catch, but you know, I thought the point of of I thought the point of making sure that it's a catch is that the receiver has control of the football as he goes to the ground, which is clearly something Marcus Peters did not do. And you watch in real time, that's an incomplete pass, no question. And then you slow down the well, okay, well, fine, yeah, but I thought the rule is you got to have control of the football as you're going to the ground, which is something that Marcus Peters did not have. Did not have. He went to the ground, he dropped the football. Did not make a quote-unquote football move. He was being pulled backwards by the Indianapolis Colts wide receiver, and he dropped the ball. It should have been an incomplete pass. That's me. But it should have been ruled an incomplete pass. Second game on the docket, Seahawks and Bills. Uh, give props to the give props to the Buffalo Bills defense. They made Russell Wilson sweat. They made Russell Wilson uh, work work in this game. Russell Wilson did not have an exactly a uh, a Hall of Fame MVP performance. Twenty eight for forty one, three ninety. He got a got a figure that you know garbage time numbers. So keep that in mind. Uh, threw two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, here's the stats. I understand Buffalo. They gave up, you know, thirty plus twenty. You, know, you gave up more than more than twenty one points. It's not exactly a phenomenal day at the office, but it is considering when you get to Russell Wilson five times and you make him throw two interceptions and uh, and you make Russell Wilson fumble the ball twice. 
and, and you get the ball back. So four turnovers and you sack them five times. I don't care if they put 50 on the scoreboard. If Buffalo, if the defense is if the defense is making plays to put the ball into the hands of their offense and is putting points on the scoreboard and not wasting turnovers and ends up with the when it's triple zeros at the end of the fourth quarter with a bigger score than their opponent, it doesn't matter how many points you give up. I understand that Buffalo Bill defense isn't great, but when you make Russ Wilson turn over the football four times, MVP, in my opinion, the 2020 should, and definitely the first half MVP, and should be the 2020 NFL season MVP, Russell Wilson make him turn over the football four times and you sack him five times. That that I, I take that. I take that. I understand DK Metcalf again. Absolute machine, seven receptions, 108 yards receiving, and a touchdown. And he let Russ Wilson pad his stats later in the game. I get that. But if you're Buffalo Bills defense, you can't complain when you let when Russ Wilson turns over the ball four times and you get to him five times. You you you'll, you'll take that. You'll take that. You'll you'll let DK you'll let DK Metcalf catch ten balls for two hundred yards. If you get Russ Wilson to turn the football over, you get to him and you win the game to boot. That's all honestly. That's all you could ask for if you're a Buffalo Bills fan playing a very very good Seattle Seahawks team. Very good. That this this was a statement win for Buffalo. Statement win. And they're in the first place at seven and two, and for good reason in the AFC East, four and one. Uh, at home in Orchard Park. From the Buffalo offense standpoint, listen, Josh Allen, I understand Seattle defense stinks and is not exactly of the Legion of Boom a la 2013-2014 with Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, uh, Earl Thomas with uh, with um, Bruce Irvin and Michael Bennett and, uh, you know, and name all that. I could be all night naming names. I understand all that. Uh, but the fact that Josh Allen had, was so, he was flawless on Sunday. Flawless. 31 for, seven incomplete passes. 31 for 38, f- uh, three touchdown passes, 415 yards uh, passing. And they, and uh, John Brown had a hell of a game. Eight receptions, 99 yards receiving. Stephon Diggs, this is why they, this is why they got him. Nine receptions, 118 yards receiving. I mean, that's a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal performance from uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, who absolutely put on an offensive clinic against the Seattle Seahawks defense that absolutely is uh, just. They are so pathetic and are just so bad. It is unbelievable. Why, uh, corners playing 15, 20 yards off the guy, you know, at the line of, at the line of scrimmage. I mean, their defense is so mind-bogglingly terrible. I mean, you can't believe it. I mean, this the Seattle Seahawks went from Legion of Boom in 2013, 2014 to this mess. Their defense stinks. Secondary stinks. They got the Josh Allen seven times, so you give them that. But their secondary, especially, is so bad and is so horrendous. It is I mean, what in the world did they sign Jamal Adams for? I understand he's been out lately with injuries, but my goodness gracious, can uh, can not leave us Diggs Brown, Gabriel Davis wide open, you know, on the sidelines, please, middle of the field, and let Josh Allen. No disrespect to him, but make Josh Allen out to be uh, Jim Kelly. Seattle's defense is pathetic. 
I mean, let's call it like we see it. I mean, they're de- and that and if that defense does not straighten up and fly right, quick, fast, and in a hurry, Seattle ain't making it to no Super Bowl. I could care less. I don't care how many, how great of of the numbers Russell Wilson puts up, and I don't care how much my brother, my brother who's a Seahawks fan, disagrees with me. They are not going to the Super Bowl with that piss poor defense. You, you, you're not. I'm sorry. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you're, that that defense has to be the 2013 Seahawks reincarnated. But my goodness gracious, their defense is at the bottom of the barrel in the NFL. Their defense is so bad, it is unbelievable. They let quarterbacks throw for 9 million yards on them, a la, you know, whether it's Dak, whether it's, Dak, whether it's Josh Allen, whether they let Cam go nuts. I mean, whatever. I mean, pick a game. Their defense stinks. Stinks. And you cannot expect to go to a Super Bowl, let alone win it with a bad defense. And Seattle should know that better than anybody, because they have because that that team had one of the greatest defenses you'll ever see in the last twenty to twenty five year history of the National Football League. And Josh Allen, you know what? Y'all can hate on him, y'all can talk crap about him all you want. Josh Allen has it. He has it. He's grit. He's he's got toughness. He's got guts. And he knows how to grind out football games. He's a gritty competitor. He isn't going to go down. He's not going to go down without a fight. He's going to scratch and fight tooth and nail, scratch and claw to put his team in the best position to win. And to be quite honestly, that's all you can ask for and want from your starting quarterback. He fights. He has. He he fights and he has heart, which is something I greatly appreciate whenever I watch him play. Josh Allen has it. And and the Buffalo Bills may have found their guy, and it would not shock me if Josh Allen, you know, gets the Buffalo to get the Buffalo to a Super Bowl within the near future. Would not shock me. And you know, the Chiefs aren't going to be in it every year. My goodness gracious, Andy Reid is in his mid sixties, and that uh, ten-year, five hundred million dollar contract. That uh, Patrick Mahomes basically took everything off the table and left nothing for uh, Clyde Edwards and Lair and uh, Tyree Kill. You know, those guys got to eat too. You know, it, it, they, did, it, they, they didn't go 50 years without a Super Bowl championship by coincidence, you know. Well, let's keep that in mind. So, so in the 2020s, or well, by. By in this decade or early part of the 2030s, Buffalo Bills should be in the Super Bowl. Would not shock me and would not surprise me whatsoever. Would not surprise me or shock me. L.A. Chargers lose another heartbreaker. I mean, you want to talk talk about a football team that finds more ways to lose football games than you can shake a stick at. I mean, 31-26 Oakland. Oakland four and one away from Vegas, five and three overall on the season. Justin Herbert, who's been a phenomenal talent for Los Angeles, twenty eight for forty two, three hundred twenty eight yards passing, two touchdown passes, a phenomenal day at the office for him. Keenan Allen, nine receptions, one hundred and three yards receiving and a touchdown catch. But this team just finds new ways to lose again. You thought it was a touchdown on the, on the final seconds of that game in the fourth quarter. Lo and behold, you see he clearly drops the ball on the uh, on the white 
turf, making an incomplete pass. Chargers dropped a two and six on the season, one and three uh, at SoFi Stadium. This is a team that I've never seen a team that's more cursed, not named the Cincinnati Bengals, of course. I've never seen a team more cursed and more snake bitten than the Los Angeles Chargers. And it's just, you got to feel for Herbert because Herbert's going to sit there like, is this what my career is going to become? I put up, I put up supreme Pro Bowl worthy numbers and I got to lose games left and right in the, in, in the last seconds in heartbreaking fashion. You got you got you got to feel for him. You got to feel for the Charger fan, the one of uh, fifteen uh, of them out there. You got to feel for him. Um, moving, switching gears now to uh, Pittsburgh versus uh, the uh, the Steelers versus the Cowboys. Pittsburgh won the game twenty four nineteen. Uh, ben Roethlisberger hurt his knee at the end of the second quarter. He finished out the he finished out the driving and went to the locker room early prior to halftime. He was twenty nine for forty two, three hundred and six yards, uh, passing and three touchdown passes. Uh, he te- uh, he was in close con. I th- I'm not did he test it? No, I should look that up. Um, he uh, he hasn't practiced all week because of uh, because he was. I think he was a close contact. I don't think he tested positive. Um, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Regardless whether he tested positive or he was on the COVID list, which he was as a close contact, uh, as you know, with the contact tracing, uh, and he should, and if he tests negative on Saturday, he should be good to go. To go up against my Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday, having not practiced in a week, which couldn't end up being to his benefit, being 37 years of age with his knee that got hit pretty badly uh, the other day, it might have been a blessing in disguise that Ben had, that that Ben is not going to practice all this week. You know, 37 years of age, been in the league since 2004. What that's uh, 16 years, 17 seasons, 37 years of age. You kind of, you know, with one team, mind you, and with the same coach since 2008, that's what, 12 years? Ben Roethlisberger, uh, as far as being mentally ready for the game, Ben Roethlisberger doesn't need practice. He may need practice to go through the motions and to make sure, you know, to keep, keep, you know, make sure he's a quote-unquote fine old machine. But uh, mentally, Ben Roethlisberger does not need practice. He'll be good and set and raring to go uh, come 425 on Sunday afternoon going up against my Bengals up at Heinz Field. But having said all all of that, they took care of business and kept things interesting like they always do. The the notorious Mike Tomlin uh, letdown slash trap game nearly got them because they led a 2-6 Cowboy team that... That uh, up until today, or not up until today, up until that game on uh, last Sunday, played one of, played some of the most uninspiring football you were ever going to see. Post the giant game after Dak's injury, and absolute and gave the Steelers a run for their money and made Pittsburgh sweat a little bit. They didn't run the football well. James Conner only got the ball nine times for twenty two yards. Their leading rusher in that game. Juju had a decent day at the office, six receptions, 93 yards receiving, and a touchdown catch. So their offense was very spotty. You know, the most points they put up was 15 in the fourth quarter. Um, and they only managed to put up three, you know, with the three touchdowns, all all via Big Ben throwing the ball. 
But if you're, but the game, if you are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, that game was a lot closer and a lot, and, and it, it, was, it was too close to what you wanted it to be. You expect it because this is what this team does. I mean, these, look at the 2017, 2018, 2016 Pittsburgh Steelers teams, and you will totally get why the Cowboys are in this game literally from start to finish. But if you're a Steeler fan, you did not like the fact that that game was close and and came down to one last play, a la deja vu. Uh, how that how their game came up to the last play against uh, against the Ravens, you know, where quarterbacks got to make quarterback as one more play, not necessarily a hail mary per se, because you're like because they're right on, you know, you're twenty twenty five thirty yards out from the end zone, but you got to make a throw into the end zone to win the game last second. Lamar Jackson couldn't deliver for the Ravens and Garrett Gilbert uh who what yeah Garrett Gilbert of the Orlando Apollos in the now defunct AAF uh fell short uh in the closing seconds on uh, last Sunday he was 21 for 38 243 yards passing through a touchdown and interception not bad considering he's a what third fourth string quarterback um whose chances if you would have told him that his that he was going to start against the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers on in a week nine in the National Football League, I guarantee you he wouldn't have believed that if you would have came up to him in early September and told him that he wouldn't have bought it not for a millisecond. Um, again, the Cowboys didn't run the ball well. Zeke Elliott, eighteen carries, fifty-one yards. But again, those are the Cowboys. What else is new? But uh, but Pittsburgh, boy, have they gotten lucky? They got lucky because Goskowski, who who's the, and I'll get to him when I break down the Titans on the Colts game in a few minutes. Uh, he's been inept for the most part all season long, missed a field goal late in the closing seconds of that game. That's why, you know, and Pittsburgh was able to hold on after they wet the bed in the second half and let the Titans run rep, rep shot all over them. Uh, in the second half of that game a few weeks back. And then, of course, last week they let Baltimore hang around and allowed Baltimore to get one more opportunity to win the game late, and they got lucky there. And then, of course, they got lucky here uh, in Dallas, you know, and, and Garrett Gilbert could have been the hero and could have been the team that would have handed Pittsburgh their first loss since Week 17 against the Ravens uh, last December. But that's the story with Pittsburgh and Dallas. Um, and I expect my Bengals to be in that game to the very end. I expect I expect Pittsburgh to improve the nine and zero, but I I do not think for a second that the Bengals will just lie down and die and let Pittsburgh walk all over them. Though though those days are finished, folks. Though the days of of the Bengals getting walked all over on by the Pittsburgh Steelers, those are over. Okay. I would not be shocked if 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 the Bengals pulled one out on Sunday, but but I expect it to be a competitive close football game. A game is going to put Steelers and Bengals fans through the ringer and give us uh, nine million heart attacks, a bunch of heart palpitations, and have uh, and have us young Steelers and Bengals fans on on high blood pressure medicine uh, come seven o'clock uh, on on uh, on Sunday on late Sunday afternoon Sunday evening. That's the story with the uh, Pittsburgh and the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Miami Dolphins uh, hold a, held on to a 34-31 victory over the Arizona Cardinals. Dolphins improved the five and three on the season, three and one away from Sun Life State, or excuse me, hard, the Hard Rock Stadium. Arizona Cardinals uh, five and three on the season, two and two, and even five hundred at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. 
Tua Tagovailoa versus Kyler Murray won. Uh, these and these two quarterbacks are going to be one. Are good. The NFL once once the old farts go, you know Brady, Brady, Breeze, Rodgers right behind them, Roethlisberger, uh, Phil Rivers. Once those guys are out, the NFL is going to be in good hands. And I'm no, I'm not waxing poetic about Mahomes. I'm not talking about Lamar Jackson. They're going to be in good hands with Tua and Kyler Murray because these two guys are playmakers and are studs. Absolute studs at the quarterback position. Tua Tagovailoa, uh, not bad. Twenty for twenty-eight, two hundred forty-eight yards passing, two touchdown passes. Uh, ran for thirty-five yards on the ground with seven carries. Kyler Murray, twenty-one for twenty-six, two hundred eighty-three yards passing, three touchdown passes. A little bit better uh, on the stat sheet than Tua, but Tua did get the W, and that's what matters the most. Kyler Murray also on eleven carries, ran for two for a hundred. And eight yards rushing, uh, and a touchdown, and a touchdown as well. So, uh, so there's there there you are with the quarterbacks. Um, Christian Kirk, receiving wise, had five receptions. He of Arizona, five receptions, one hundred and twenty three yards receiving. Um, so and it, and of course that kicker, uh, and then of course the Arizona kid kicker missed the ki- missed the uh, kick late. He he uh, Zane Gonzalez missed a uh, missed a sh- missed a should have been a gimme, and he came up short, which is uh, which essentially was the margin of victory in that game. You know they miss he makes that field goal, they go to overtime, and who knows you know where you go from overtime on. But uh, the Miami Dolphins sit at five and three, and I believe they are in second place. Yes, they are second place. Uh, about a game, game and a half, two games behind Buffalo in the AFC East, and could end up making, and could end up making the playoffs. Whether it's stealing the division from Buffalo if they collapse down the stretch, or making it as a wild card team, New England, even though they took care of business business against the Jets on Monday night are at three and five and have their backs up against the wall and need some help if they want to sneak it in uh, into the AFC playoffs uh, coming down the stretch in this last, uh, la- you know, in the last month and a half, ha- the half being the rest of November uh, left of the 2020 NFL season, which has just flown by. I mean, I mean, it's week one, it's week one, week two, week three, you blink, week six, week seven, and then you blink again, it's week eight, week nine, week ten, and before you know it, it'd be Thanksgiving, and then Christmas, and then we're talking playoffs, then we're in the playoffs, and then it's the Super Bowl, and you see a scratch here, like, my gosh, where did all the, where did the time go, where did the season go, I feel like, it feels like it just got here. But hey, that's how that's how that's uh, how that's how the ball rolls, um, with uh, Miami and Arizona. Uh, last game on the docket of uh, of uh, week nine in the National Football League, and then get to week ten with the Colts and Titans, and we take a break and get on to some other things. Um, the Titans absolutely stomped on, stomped on, dominated and humiliated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, on Sunday night, Saints holding. Uh, Saints have that tiebreaker against Tampa Bay. Of course, sweeping them. the first time Tom Brady's ever been swept by a divisional opponent. Can you believe that? And it's the New Orleans Saints in his first year away from Belichick and the Patriots here in 2020. Saints, of course, took care of business down at the Dome 
on opening uh, on opening day, and then of course last Sunday night they had, this game was over by halftime. The halftime score was thirty was thirty one to nothing. The game was over by halftime. You could have gone to bed and it could have been all right, and that's what it was. All you would have missed was a touchdown and a field goal that meant nothing late in the fourth quarter. Uh, thirty eight to three, the Saints absolutely stomped all over Tampa Bay. Stomped all over them. Drew Brees say, hey, and Tommy this, Tommy that. I'm still Drew Brees, and I'm still an elite Hall of Fame worthy uh, first ballot Hall of Fame uh, quarterback. 20, excuse me, words. 22, no, 26 for 32, 222 yards passing and four touchdown passes uh, for New Orleans. And then, of course, their leading receiver, New Orleans, if I can get it, my computer will cooperate with me. Um, they had Adam Trotman, who, what, yeah, catch a touchdown pass. Manuel Sanders caught a touchdown pass. Traquan Smith and Josh Hill caught a touchdown pass as well. Michael Thomas, first game back in a long time. Wasn't that much of a factor. Caught five balls for 51 yards receiving and no touchdowns. Uh, and was targeted six times. Uh, Taysom Hill was the leading rusher with 71, so excuse me, seven yards carrying 54 yards. Uh, and with a 23-yard uh, run as his longest for the game. Saints just absolutely just dominated the Buccaneers all night long. Tom Brady passes bedtime old man Tommy, uh, 22 for 38, 209 yards passing and three uh, interceptions thrown by him in a QBR, if you care about that stat, was a 3.8. Quarterback rating was a 40.4. Their leading rusher, and I, this is not a typo, Ronald Jones, three carries, nine yards rushing, and and seven of those nine yards were on one play. That, that was pathetic. Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette, Chris Godwin, not a factor. Gronk, not a factor. Targeted six times, only caught one pass for two yards. Not a th- I mean, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneer offense took an off night on Sunday night. That's all it is to it. I mean, that's and that Saints defense isn't great. It's not going to blow you away, but they aren't Seattle Seahawks terrible. And and that defense, you know, their defense, long story short, they get the job done. They get the job done. They get after the quarterback. They play, you know, their secondary knows how to lock down the receivers. They create turnovers. They they got a decent defense. And right now in the AFC, or excuse me, in the NFC, where Green Bay let uh, let Dalvin Cook run all over them with their piss poor run defense the other day, with you know with that scenario with Green Bay the Seahawks defense is absolutely horrendous. Uh, no one's winning the Super Bowl out of the NFC East. So uh, Eagles, Eagles, uh, Eagles and Cowboys goodbye. Uh, the Bears and the Bears offense is is terrible. They to say goodbye to them. And then, of course, uh, and of course, you go in the South. The Buccaneers have a chance to make have a chance to make it. The defense is a little overrated. Person, to be fair, the defense is a little bit overrated. And and you're gonna have a hard time trying to convince me that Tampa Bay Bucket that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are gonna have to go on the road, possibly play the Saints again in the Saints building, and uh, and win a playoff game there. You're gonna have a hard time convincing me that, especially when they've taken two of two from them and they've swept them, or or they gotta go on the road in cold, frigid Green Bay as a as a warm weather team and go up against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. I understand that they punched the Packers in the mouth the first time they played uh, three weeks back. 
but that but that but that's October in Tampa and you know and January in Green Bay at Lambeau. I don't care if there's not a soul in the building or not. That's not an easy place to play during playoff time. I understand Bra- I understand Brady's used to the cold weather being up in New England all those years, but as a warm weather football team, it it just it does something to you. I'm sorry, it just does. It just does. And again, they're not coached by Belichick, they're coached by Bruce Arians, who isn't exactly uh John Gruden circa 2002 as far as coaching this Buccaneer team is concerned. I mean, let's, let's call it like we see it. The Saints absolutely punched the Buccaneers in the mouth and just dominated them from start to finish. Defense got after Brady, three sacks, created turnovers, turned over the football three times, interceptions, and then Drew Brees just did his thing. A phenomenal performance, phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal performance from the Saints all around. And that's when, and honestly, after this, after after Sunday night's game, I don't want to hear about the Buccaneers. I don't want to hear about the Seahawks. The defense stinks, and I don't want to hear about the Pat Green Bay Packers. Saints are the team to beat in the NFC. Now let's see if they can hold on down the stretch. Let me give you their schedule right quick. Uh, let's see if they can hold on down the stretch and possibly steal that number one seed from Seattle and get the bye week and home f- and uh, home field advantage. They got the 49ers on Sunday, easy pickings, Falcons, Broncos, Falcons again, the Eagles. So they got it easy. And their last big test of the season is at home against the Chiefs five days of the Sunday before Christmas. And then they got easy pickings with the Vikings and the Panthers. So... There's no reason why this team shouldn't finish at the worst, thirteen and three, if not fourteen and two. There's no reason, none whatsoever. But the Saints heard it from me, best team and the team to beat in the NFC. Case closed, hands down, can't defend it. Seahawks defense is pathetic, and they lost two games. They had no business losing Buffalo and the Cardinals. The defense stinks. Not so it's not them. You get after Russell Wilson and you put up more points than they do, they do, you're gonna win. The Packers uh, Packers, I don't trust them. And the Buccaneers, you can't say they're the team they're still a team to beat in the NFC when they've lost to the Saints twice. A perennial Super Bowl contender and you lost to them twice. Got embarrassed in front of every on nationally te- on in front of a nationally televised audience in your building at home and lost to him opening day. I, I don't I don't want to hear it. I'm sorry, I don't want to hear it. And and by the grace of and if you're a Buccaneer fan, you should hit your knees every night, thanking the good Lord above that you beat the Giants. Because if the Giants had a competent quarterback, you would have lost that game as well. First game of week 10 in the National Football League, the Colts and the Titans. Colts beat the Titans 34-17. Titans special teams were sloppy all the way around. The, the punter botched the kick. They had a punt block, then returned for a touchdown. And, of course, Goskowski uh, missing field goals. I can give you Goskowski's line if you want. One of two kicking-wise, uh, one yeah, it was one of two kicking, missed the, missed the key field goal that they needed. 
that they needed him to make. They didn't get it. So the special teams was an Achilles heel for Tennessee. Uh, Derrick Henry still did his thing, 19 carries, 103 yards. But Ryan Tannehill, for, for his first time forever, he didn't, he didn't have that good of a football game. 15 for 27, 147 yards passing and a touchdown pass. Uh, which is which, you know, one of his more mediocre subpar performances in a Tennessee Titan uniform. Philip Rivers, twenty-nine for thirty-nine, three hundred eight yards passing and a touchdown uh, and a touchdown pass. Um, that uh, and that and Michael Pittman Jr. Seven receptions, one hundred and one yards receiving. Uh, Naam Hines caught a touchdown pass on his birthday. Tennessee Titans defense, in case you didn't realize it already, it stinks. They let that lame duck offense and the Indianapolis Colts come up in there and and drop thirty four on them. And the Titans got to straighten up and fly right, or else the Colts will take this division. Uh, before you blink an eye, that is your week nine and week ten as far as a th- that Thursday night game is concerned. There you stand with the NFL. I will take a break and I will come right back and we'll talk. Uh, Steve Cohen buying the Mets, the starting date of the 2020 2021 NBA season, and pay our tribute to the late great Alex Trebek. This is the Amatel Akatelius podcast. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. Welcome back to the Armatella KTIS podcast. Switching gears now, get to a few things, and then we will get to week 10 of the National Football League uh, as far as the Sunday action is concerned, and then take a break and then get to the Masters to close out the program. Um, first off, as we get to a baseball news, uh, the Red Sox brought back manager Alex Cora to let him go 2019 season because of his involvement with the Astros cheating scandal. Uh, brought him back, so uh, get that out on the board there. Red Sox obviously aren't too bothered by the fact of his little cheating involvement with the Red Sox and with the Astros back in 2017, be that as it may. Um, and then Steve Cohen buys the Mets, of course. You knew that was going to happen. Not a chance in hell uh, that J-Lo and, and, 
And now it's Rodriguez, that cheating fraud and a Yankee, no less, was going to buy the Mets not a chance in America. And those two dopes don't care about winning and producing a championship product for the Met fan. They care about, you know, showing it off and having it written off on their taxes come every April 15th and showing it off when they go to the little country club and go to the little, you know, next time the Super Bowl's at Miami, they can go, they can go over and flex when they uh, have a conversation with Aikman and Buck, you know, the, the Thursday before the Super Bowl, they can go out there and flex and look at us, we own the Mets. Not a chance in hell that that was going to happen. So, uh, yeah, so, so Steve Cohen instead buys the Mets. He gave a couple of interesting quotes earlier this past week. Said we said that we're looking to win a championship within the next three to five years. Money's no object, you know, money. You know, I'm not in it for making money. I'm here to bring the Met fan joy and happiness and to win championships, which is you're a Met fan. It's all, you know, that's music to your ears. I understand, granted, that they did play in a World Series a short five years ago, but they haven't won a championship since 86. The Yankees have won a handful of championships uh, since then, of course, in the late 90s, early 2000s, and of course, 2009, they haven't won one since much to the Met fans' delight, but they want to catch up to the Yankees as as far as winning championships and as far as the championships the Yankees have won and at least appeared in in the uh, in the 21st century. And then, of course, you look within their own division. The Phillies are trying to compete for a championship. Uh, the the Braves got within a game seven. Granted, they choked a three one lead. Uh, they got to an NLCS and was on the doorstep of making it to the postseason. They've won championships since the Mets won last one in '86. Uh, the Marlins, <laughs> the Marlins, believe it or not, have won two championships since '86, '97, and 2003. Uh, made the postseason last year. The Braves have made it the last couple of years. Uh, Phillies are are going to make it once they uh, once they get themselves a bullpen. To, once they get themselves a bullpen. Uh, and then, of course, the Nationals are uh, World Series champions uh, a year removed, winning it in 2019. And, they, and, they, and they're in that big market in New York City and got to compete with the Yankees as far as fandom in New York City is concerned. And, then, and haven't made the postseason in quite a few years. And, uh, and you know, when, we, when you are a New York team, you got to spend some money, something that the Wilpons did not like doing, much to the Met fans' dismay. So he is now in control of the Mets. We will see uh, how the Met, uh, how that team does underneath his leadership and underneath his rule. Uh, and it would not shock me if the Mets go out there, spend some money, and end up competing in the World Series within the next five-plus years or so. Uh, that's the story with the baseball NBA season, 2020-2021 season. It uh, looks like it's set in stone to begin uh, December 22nd, which is a Tuesday, because the God forbid the NBA uh, loses Christmas, which is uh, Christmas to the NBA is Thanksgiving to the NFL. Granted, they get beat by the NFL anyway, because they're going to have a very good, because the, the Saints are, like I just read it to your last segment, you know, could end up uh, finishing out on the season 14-2, and two. And going up against the lame duck uh, Viking team that's trying to save their season on Christmas. So they might get burned anyway. But, you know, the NBA does not want to lose Christmas under any circumstances. It doesn't matter if they're, it doesn't matter if they're playing in front of a sold-out crowd or, empty sta- or an empty arena. So they, want that, they want Christmas. 
And who can blame them? It's, the, it's their cash cow. It's their money grab. So, uh, and the NBA season appropriately starts in the wintertime, you know, when the NFL season is starting to uh, wind down. And uh, and not sitting here, you know, playing basketball in October when there's nine other million sports, more important sports going on, and you know, and it's still relatively warm outside. That that that's not basketball. Starting in October, that's not basketball. Basketball, you know, you start in the winter, you finish out in the summertime. That's basketball for me. You know, I, I I cannot get into the NBA in the middle in the middle of October, middle of November under under normal circumstances. I just can't I can't do it. College NFL and got playoff baseball, and I'm and I'm not in the NBA mood. You know, that's a, especially if especially because I, I I do not live in an NBA town. I don't live in Oklahoma City. I don't live in San Francisco slash Oakland. I don't live in Chicago. I don't live in D.C. I don't live in New York. I don't live in Philadelphia. I don't live in Charlotte. I don't live in Orlando. I don't live in Miami. I don't live in uh, I don't live in Memphis. I don't live in uh, Minneapolis. I don't live in Detroit. I don't live in San Antonio. I don't live in Dallas slash uh, Arlington. I don't live in uh, I don't live in Houston. So I don't I don't you know I don't live in a basketball town, which is also part of it. But NBA basketball should be played around you know. Around they they should start the the closer they start to to winter to the actual start of winter the better off they are to be quite honest with you I understand it won't be fair because it seems like Golden State that didn't go to the bubble left two hundred plus days off since the last basketball game and uh, and team and you know and the Lakers and the Heat will have you know you can count on your hands how many it's tongue in cheek figuratively speaking. They will have a major, major significant amount of less days off because, of course, they had to play their season into late October uh, with the NBA Finals and all. But uh, the but your NBA season will start December 22nd. When we get closer to that, I will for sure have it uh, covered for you wall-to-wall when that time uh, comes around. And lastly, before I get to a break and get to Week 10 NFL preview and picks and get on to the Masters, uh, sadly, on Sunday, on Sunday morning, the late, uh, the late great, best, one of the best, if not the greatest game show host ever lived, hosted Jeopardy from 1984 to literally, you know, to October 29th, 2020, which is which was his last show. The great Alex Shebeck passed away on Sunday after a long battle, a year and a half, two years battle with pancreatic cancer, died in the sleep peacefully along, with, you know, with his family by his side. Very sad, very tragic. 2020 just keeps on getting worse and worse. I mean, you, you if you had a TV, you knew who Alex Trebek was. You know, me, me personally, you know, I never met the guy and I wasn't a and I wasn't a devout Jeopardy fan, but as a person who spent a lot who spends and spent in the past, you know, in the past tense, lots of time with his maternal grandmother and every single time he you know, I was over her house or when she uh you and when she used to live with us, she now lives in an apartment building, a, you know, about a few, you know, about twenty, you know, about a half hour away. When she lived with us, you know, every every time seven o'clock, you know, whether you know from uh, from January to December, she'd have Jeopardy on, and who would be the guy sitting there? The great Alex Trebek, you know, feet, sitting behind his podium with his with his Coke bottle glasses on, feeding the questions, and it's you know, it's just. You know, when Jeopardy starts, and now here's your hosts of Jeopardy, 
Alex Trebek. And he comes out and he says, thank you, Johnny. And it's just, you know, you knew who he, you, you just, you knew Alex Trebek. And not a, not a nicer, and I never met him, but just from the stories that I've heard from people that have met him, there's not a nicer, more classy, first class, honorable individual than the great Alex Trebek. I mean, was a pro's pro, was an absolute professional and a boss at his job. Insistent gets there at six o'clock in the morning filming five Jeopardy episodes a day. Being, you know, being in his late 70s and now one of 80 years old. Uh, he turned 80 this past July and uh, it turned 80 this past July and, you know, and, and, and doing Jeopardy episodes. And, and then on top of it, when it was safe enough for him to come back during the pandemic, he's filming Jeopardy episodes with pancreatic cancer amidst the pandemic. That's, 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 that, that's something, that's something that's um, commendable and honorable. That, that, that man cared that much about his job, the show, and the people that he worked with, that he was going to go out there with cancer and all during a pandemic and of age, so... He's got a pre-existing condition, cancer, and he's up in age. The two things that they tell you with COVID, the two people that are at the biggest risk of getting infected, and if they get infected, most most likely they're not, they're going to die. Pre-existing conditions, cancer, of course, being a, a big one. And, of course, the man was in his late 70s by July, 80 years old. And he's sitting up here doing Jeopardy episodes, waking up at 6 o'clock in the morning. That's... If, if, if that if, if that by itself doesn't make you appreciate how great of a guy and how just a professional Alex Trebek was at his job, I don't, I don't know what will. That guy was uh, making to say he's he's the king of he's the king of game show television. You, I understand Richard Dawson and I understand um, Bob Barker, who's still going who's still going strong well into his nineties. But, uh, man, when I got that news on Twitter that Alex Shebeck had passed away, it was, it was a, uh, you know, I, I didn't shed a tear, but it was just one of those things that just made me go, <clears throat> wow. You know, it sucks, you know, and I, it looks like they're going to go on Jeopardy without him, but my, in my honest opinion, Jeopardy will not be the same without him. No, he hosted that show from 1984 to 2020. I mean, that is a long, long time. 36 years. You know, I remember hosting uh, him hosting Jeopardy when I was a little toddler, all the way up to me being a quote-unquote grown man. 7 o'clock. My grandmother was there. Jeopardy. Her show. 7 o'clock after the news goes off. Right there. If it's during the baseball season, she'll have the Orioles playing on the radio. TV set tuned right to Jeopardy. Every single night. And I love the fact that, you know, and it's just, you know, I mean, me personally, you can't tell me that there ain't a God because, you know, this man... This man passed away and left America, what, seven more weeks of his, maybe not seven, but left America a good 
month, a month, a good month and two weeks worth of work, of his work behind him. He filmed his last show October 29th, which will air Christmas Day. So, uh, so if you, so if you want to, if you're into that, be sure, you know, last, Alex Shebeck's last show, uh, is going to air on Christmas day. They tape him in advance of, you know, of course, cause that show is shown, the show is shown in syndication. So, but, you know, it's just crazy. So it's like, you know, every half hour, every seven o'clock from, well, this past Monday to Christmas, Alex Trebek, you at least, you get away from the notion that he's passed away and he's no longer with us. Seven o'clock, half hour from Monday to Christmas, it's like he's still here with us. Which, if you want to be real cynical about it, it's kind of frightening. But if you want to be light, if you want to be warm hearted and cheerful and happy about it, it it's 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 it bring a tear to your eye, really. That it's like you know, that he is still bringing American families together, even when he's passed on. That's uh, that's that's pretty freaking special. And and the way he and know how he would talk to the audience, you know, when the show is over, you know, when we will see you tomorrow for the next. That he was he was just that type of guy, and it's just it 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 stinks that he's gone. It really really does. It does. Does but. Um, I recorded I recorded all the you know I'm busy all, all the time but. I recorded all of the episodes of Jeopardy from now or from Monday till um to his last show on uh on Christmas. So when I do get the chance, you know, God forbid there's no more sports to watch or you know, NFL season is over and will come February, I got nothing to watch because it's that time of the year again. I got myself a whole stack of Jeopardy episodes to watch rest in peace Alex Trebek take a break come right back this is the Amatelica TIS podcast
Welcome back to the I'm Telling like is podcast. Switching gears now back to the National Football League. Um, we talking week ten of the NFL. Um, got three games, the one o'clock games. In case you are wondering what the one o'clock games are, uh, because CBS, of course. In case you didn't know, uh, Brendan, I'm talking to you. Yeah, you wouldn't know uh, Brooks Kepka from uh, Bryson DeChambeau if they fell on you. So to give you a little bit of insight, give you a little bit of information, if you're not a golf guy. Um, the CBS has had has been doing Masters every year, I believe, since 1956, if I got that right. Um, and they, of course, would do, they always do the weekend ESPN for the last whatever it might be, does the first two days on Thursday and Friday. Um, and CBS does the weekend games. Um, last year, they started early to avoid the rain. This year, and because of, and thank God that was such a huge success because now with COVID, they had to push it back to November. Uh, they're going to start the Masters final round at 10 a.m. on Sunday, and hopefully no rain delays, no playoff. They should be uh, raring to go in in due time for the th- CBS. Only, uh, CBS is only doing three games on Sunday. They're doing Bills and Cardinals. Uh, Broncos and Raiders and Chargers and Dolphins games that would typically be on uh, C- would typically be on CBS that are not going to be a la Pittsburgh and uh, and the Bengals that game would be on four twenty five on Fox um, Texans and Browns at one o'clock that game would typically be on CBS that game is going to be at one o'clock on Fox because at one o'clock the CBS will still be doing the golf. Uh, and and they will only get three football games to work with on Sunday in that late, uh, in that late window. Uh, Tony and uh, Tony Romo and Tracy Wolfson have the week off with uh, Jim Nance down at Augusta for the Masters. Um, but CBS will be back in the mix at one o'clock. They got Titans and Ravens next Sunday at one. Patriots and Texans next Sunday at one. Uh, Jaguars and Steelers next Sunday at 1. Uh, my team, the Bengals going up against Washington uh, at 1. Uh, that All those games are on CBS at 1 o'clock. And then, of course, they got two games at 4. You only got three. You got six games in the 4 o'clock hour this weekend. Next week, you only get three. Vikings and Cowboys, that game will be a complete bore at 425 uh, next, next uh, Sunday afternoon. And, of course, that game will be the only game that Fox will have that will go nationwide and the two games that CBS have Jets and the Chargers uh uh-uh and then Broncos and the Dolphins uh uh-uh so you got so the four o'clock games for the most part next weekend stink but CBS will be back in the mix uh for uh, having your football from one in the afternoon till 7 30 at night in the east um next Sunday while they uh get a little bit of a break only doing three games at the four o'clock window because of their uh, Masters coverage. So the only three games of really any interest, Buffalo and the Cardinals, uh, Rams and the Seahawks, both games are at uh, 4 o'clock. Like I said, 1 o'clock games stink, and I'm not going to bore you to tears. It'll be a good game, but I'm not going to go in-depth, too in-depth with Pittsburgh and the Bengals. And, of course, the Sunday night game, Ravens and Patriots, which will not be uh, with, with no the fact that the Patriots have been so part this season and no Brady, that will not be a very... 
uh, compelling and exciting football game to watch, to, to be quite honest with you. The first game that is on the docket in week, in week 10 as we begin, uh, like I said, is the aforementioned Buffalo Bills going up against the Arizona uh, Cardinals. Buffalo, like I said, took care of business against uh, against the Seattle Seahawks at home. Last time out, um, 7-2 and two and in first place in the AFC. He's looking to get their... Uh, what I would believe would be their third would be their third winning season and four in a their second winning season and uh, no their third winning season in four years because in two thousand and seventeen they of course made the playoffs. What was their record in two thousand and eighteen? Let me get that right quick. Two thousand and eighteen they went six and ten, so they'll be looking for uh seventeen, nineteen, twenty. They'll be looking for their third winning season. And uh, in four years, uh, they, of course, made the playoffs thanks to Andy Dalton and Tyler Boyd, 4th and 12th against the Ravens in 2017. Lost a defensive battle to Jacksonville wildcard weekend. Uh, went 6-10 in 2018, made the playoffs in 2019 as a wildcard team and lost at home in overtime to the uh, to the Houston Texans on wildcard weekend. They take care of business and win uh, on Sunday. They lock their uh, third winning season in four years, improving themselves to eight and two if they win and also extending their AFC East lead, uh, their AFC East lead over the um, over the Miami Dolphins while the Cardinals trying to get back, uh, trying to get back in order here. They have an opportunity to steal a wild card spot from a couple of teams. They're sitting at five and three. They cannot afford to lose two straight, especially at home. Uh, Kyler Murray, like I said in in previous segments, is big time. He's going to get the job done. The problem will be will the Cardinals screw up the little things, missing field goals, Cliff Kingsbury uh, not being able to, you know, not managing the clock right, not coaching as we have the people. They got to stay. They cannot beat themselves. They want to expect to beat a very good Buffalo Bills team. I expect Kyler Murray to give the Buffalo defense fits, but uh, but it should be a very intriguing and entertaining football game. Wanna? I'll have this game. This game. My my uh my this game and my Bengals will have my eye in the four o'clock uh, window. This the Buffalo and the Cardinals and my game. And see Seahawks and Rams. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. Ram the Ram the Rams are not are not one of my favorite teams to watch. As far as far as you know, they're not entertaining to me. I'm not interested in McVeigh. Golf does nothing for me. No, thank you. But this is going to be one of those games that I will keep my eye on on a set on Sunday afternoon. Uh, that's item number one. Item number two is Seahawks and the Rams. Seahawks, like I said, aforementioned, lost the game uh, because their defense was horrendous and the Bills' defense got after Russell Wilson and got Russell Wilson to turn over the football last time out. Six and two. They played their uh, they played their second straight home, excuse me, a second straight road game on the road. They get to try out the new digs at SoFi Stadium in Englewood. Uh, going up against the LA, going up against the five and three LA Rams, who uh, who had the bye week last week and lost uh, and lost the game. They had no business losing to the Dolphins the week before that. Five and three on the season, they're trying to measle their way in as a wild card team into the NFC playoffs. Seattle's still holding strong, only by game though, which is a game that Seattle has to have. They lose this game 
and the Rams take possession of first place in the in the NFC West, which is which is kind of crazy considering that Seattle was one of the last unbeaten teams in the NFL heading into their Sunday night game uh, two three weeks back on the road against Arizona. This is a game Seattle has to have. Rams defense isn't exactly, or excuse me, the Rams offense isn't exactly high powering. So hopefully the Seattle Seahawks the defense will have an easier day at the office this time around. See if Russell Wilson can get back on track. Uh, it's two bad games he's had this season on the road against the Cardinals and then on the road against uh, Buffalo last week. Two road games. So uh, Russell Wilson is a, is a great all-around player no matter where he plays. But as far as 2020 is concerned, his his problems have have arose away from CenturyLink Field outside of Seattle. So let's uh, if you're a Seahawks fan, I'll allow my brother. Hopefully Russell Wilson gets the job done gets the job done, doesn't turn over the football four times like he did last time out, and the defense holds its ground against a lame duck uh, Los Angeles uh, Rams offense. That's where you stand with the with the Seahawks and Rams. Last interesting game of note on the dock, Ravens and Patriots, a Sunday night game. Ravens, of course, coming off of their win on the road, second straight road game for them before they return home to play Tennessee. They're a playoff nemesis that uh, got the best of them 10 months ago back in January. Um, Ravens coming off of a, uh, you know, now I wouldn't say it's an impressive win, but a gritty win against the Indianapolis Colts. Meanwhile, the Patriots coming off of their first win since week two. Uh, not since, uh, what has it been since week two? Uh, well, since September, coming off of their first win since uh, s- since September, uh, when they took care of business against the Jets at the buzzer, Nick Folk making a game-winning field goal to win the game, and that comeback with Cam Newton, the whole nine yards, they return home, back-to-back primetime games to the Patriots. This Patriots team is not the same Patriots team that Baltimore went up against around this time last November. Uh, when you know in Baltimore, of course, Brady, of course, was uh, was the quarterback of the team, and you felt a lot better about the New England Patriots last November than you do this time around. Should be an easy picking game, uh, easy pickings for the Baltimore Ravens in their defense. Should be able to shut down Cam Newton and company pretty easily on a Sunday night, and that is Ravens and the, that is a six and two Ravens against the three and five uh, Patriots. That is where you stand as far as uh, Week Ten of National Football Leagues are concerned. The key games uh, I just previewed them for you. You know what time it is. Week 10 in the National Football League. It's pick em time in the league where they play for pay. Washington Redskins going up against the Detroit Lions. Detroit favorite minus three and a half. Washington lost last time out against the Giants at home while Detroit trying to uh, put on a good show in the last uh, half part of the season. Uh, I will take the Detroit Lions to win this game by 10, 27, and 17. Houston going up, the Houston Texans going up against the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland favorite minus three. Coming off of a bye week, they lost last time out, not putting the ball in the end zone at home against the Oakland Raiders going up against the Houston Texans. I will take Cleveland to win this game 28-17, favorite minus three points. 
Jacksonville going up against the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, of course, took care of business against the 49ers a week and uh, a week and a day ago, eight days ago. Favorite minus 13 and a half. Jacksonville came also close within knocking off uh, Houston last week. I will take Green Bay to win 35-17. Philadelphia's favorite minus three and a half going up against the New York football giants as they return home. Uh, their second meeting in as many weeks, I will take the Philadelphia Eagles to win this game by three, 24 to 21. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, got absolutely smacked by the New Orleans Saints at home last Sunday. They go on the road to go up against the Carolina Panthers team that gave the Super Bowl champions a run for the money, Came on, coming down to a 67-yard field goal that was missed way wide right on Sunday. Try saying that three times fast. But I will take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to bounce back against the division rival Panthers and win the game 31-25. Denver on the road going up against the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders favorite, favorite excuse me, minus five points. Um, last second uh, victory uh, due to the fault of the charges. Last time out going up against Denver. I will take the Raiders to beat the Denver Broncos 28-17. Buffalo aforementioned took care of business against the first place Seattle Seahawks. They have some out Arizona. Uh, lost a heartbreaker in, uh, in heartbreaking fashion. Lost by a field goal against the Dolphins. They faced their second straight AFC East opponent at home. I will take the Arizona. No, excuse me. I will take the Buffalo Bills to win this game, 28 to 25. Arizona favorite minus one and a half. The Los Angeles Chargers going up against the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins aforementioned took care of business against the uh, Cardinals last time out. Chargers lost the heartbreaker. I'll take Miami to win it 27-24. Seattle against the Rams. Rams favorite minus one and a half. I will, and I will take the Seattle Seahawks to win this game. Uh, it's my, why is the Rams favorite? I understand the Rams. I understand the Seahawks defense is not the Legion of Boom, but my God. I mean, they, they had a hard time scoring. I understand the Dolphins defense is one of the best in football, but really, Rams favorite minus one and a half. Okay. Jared, he really, Jared Goff over Russell. I understand that the games that these two teams have played in the past have been close. I do not understand that whatsoever. I'll take, uh, I'll take the Seahawks regardless, 28-24 to win that game. Uh, my Bengals, my Bengals going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Fairs minus favored minus seven and a half. Pittsburgh uh, for a third straight week got lucky and won a game by the hair of their chinny chin chin uh, last week on the road against the uh, against the uh, Dallas Cowboys. They return home while my Bengals coming off of a bye week. Their game prior, one of the most impressive victories I've seen from this football team in quite a few in a couple of years. And when they took care of business against the Tennessee Titans at home, they go back on the road. Uh, Joe Burrow, first time getting a crack at the division rival Pittsburgh Steelers, which has beaten us. I looked it up and I checked it earlier uh, earlier this afternoon. Pittsburgh has defeated us. Uh, let me make sure I get this right for you guys. Pittsburgh has defeated us, uh, I believe, 10 times in a row we have not beaten the uh we have not beaten the Pittsburgh Steelers on the road or excuse me period we have not beaten Pittsburgh 
since. Let me see if I can give it give it for you right quick. Meanwhile, uh, it's Joe Burrow's first crack at Pittsburgh in his young career. Um, one of the most fiercest and intense quote-unquote rivalries in all of the National Football League. Yes, Pittsburgh won, has, has won 10 games in a row. Uh, the Steelers were 18-3 and in the 2010's decade that just wrapped up uh, after last year. 18-3, and Pittsburgh has beaten uh, Pittsburgh has beaten my Bengals. And they have won a record, not a record, but they've won 10 straight going up against my Bengals. 10 straight games dating back to 2015, five years ago. Pittsburgh's favorite minus 7.5. I'll take Pittsburgh to win the game. 24 to 21. I also don't understand why the Bengals social media felt it was necessary to post that video of TJ Hushman Zada cleaning his shoes, you know, a la the shoe shiner back in the 30s and the 40s. I don't know why the Bengals social media felt it was necessary to post uh, to post that video on their on the social media pages of T.J. Hushmanzada cleaning his shoes with the terrible time. Don't they realize that every single time the opponent does it, whether it's us or whether it's Lindell White with the Titans back in 08, whenever an opponent does that, Pittsburgh not only beats the crap out of that team if they ever play them again, they go on and win the Super Bowl. 2005, the Bengals did that. Carson Palmer, his knee got wrecked in a playoff game, and Pittsburgh went on to win the Super Bowl. And in 2008, they went on to win Super Bowl 43. So I don't know why, you know, and I replied, I'm like, look, have y'all not learned? Like, A, we cannot be in a, in a point of taunting the Steelers. Steelers got six Super Bowls. We have zero, and they've kicked their ass 10 times in a row. 10 straight victories they made in 2015. We cannot we cannot be the team that's going to be, and they're eight no best team in the National Football League by default, just by record alone in the first place. In first place. We were 2-14 last year, had the first overall pick. We Ravens fine, Browns fine. Steelers is the one team in that division. We got to stay low, be humble, and not be that dog barking up the wrong tree because every single time we sit up here and try to bark up the wrong tree with Pittsburgh, we pay for it later on. So I don't know why the Bengals social media thought it was necessary to post that. Uh, that That's a recipe for disaster. 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 I don't think Pittsburgh, will, I think that sweep, I think that streak will end this year. I don't think it will end Sunday though. I will take Pittsburgh to win the game. Baffeo goal, 24 to 21. San Francisco going up against the New Orleans Saints. San Francisco uh, got beat by the by the, uh, the Packers eight days ago, going up against the Saints flying high after beating the brakes off of their division rival Bucks last time out. Saints returned to the dome, favorite minus nine and a half. I will take the Saints to win that game, win this game, thirty-one to thirteen. Ravens favored by a touchdown. Last time out, they took care of business against the Indianapolis Colts. They are going up against. The New England Patriots, who took care of business at the at the gun, Nick Folk hit a game-winning field goal on Monday night to knock off the Jets, making them 0-9. Patriots return home. Baltimore favorite minus seven and a half. Second straight game on the road for them. I will take the Ravens to win this game, 27 to 2-13. 
Monday night game. It's uh, it's a snooze to be quite honest with you. Minnesota going up against the Chicago Bears. Vikings favorite minus two and a half going against Chicago. I will take the Chica- I will take the Minnesota Vikings to beat the Chicago Bears in Soldier Field, 24 to 21. And those are your Week 10 picks in the league where they play for pay. Come right back. Talk some masters to close out the program. This is the Alan Taylor TAS podcast. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. Welcome back to the I'm Tell Like Tell Is podcast. The weekend looks like they're going to be performing Super Bowl 55 halftime show, whether they have it where he's, you know, performing in his backyard and they just air it during the halftime of the game or if by, by miracle we have a nor- somewhat normal Super Bowl and he's actually performing live at Raymond James. Whatever it is, he'll be your halftime and whatever the option is, he will be your halftime entertainment uh, on Super Bowl uh, 55 during the halftime of Super Bowl 55. Uh, last item of business to get to, and that is the 2020 Masters. Um, they're right in the middle of the second round. The play had to be suspended uh, due to due to darkness, so you got a lot of guys that aren't finished: Hideki Matsuma, John Rahm, C.T. Pan, uh, Louis Uthasein, whatever his name is, Patrick Reed. Uh, let's see, I'll give you some more names: Charles Howe the third. Uh, Tiger is on his is you know is on his tenth hole, so lots of guys aren't fi- lots of guys aren't finished. Um, their second round of action. Um, so that and that and uh, tomorrow it will be. I think they're starting uh, at seven thirty tomorrow. Um, they finish up the second round seven thirty tomorrow morning on ESPN, and then uh, and then once all the second round action is finished, then they will uh, then they will um, then they will tee off right get right back out there and will play golf until essentially it gets dark outside. 
and they will uh, and they'll be playing golf uh, till around you know 5:30 on Saturday afternoon and then hopefully they're on track to have a regular normal uh, final round on Sunday uh, tea time for that broad you know starts at 10 a.m. On, uh, on your local CBS station. Just to give you a leaderboard, you got Branham Asner, uh, Mexican-American, uh, Cameron Smith, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, the two Americans, if you, you know, if you care. Those two, along with the other two foreigners, are tied for first place. Patrick Canley uh, tied for fifth place with minus eight. Dustin Johnson, Thomas Smith, and Abraham all have a minus nine. A Abraham hit a minus uh, five today. Uh, Smith, a minus four. Justin Thomas had a minus two, and Dustin Johnson had a uh, had a minus two, Justin Thomas with a minus three. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, they've played, you know, the cut is at even, the cut was at even par, uh, is cut at even par. They just give you all these guys that finish even par. Um, so, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Zach Johnson, Jordan Spieth, you know, there was a lot of guys, you know, tied 50th place, you got a bunch of guys at even par, you know, but hey, listen, listen, let me list you the guys that finished even par today. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven guys finish at e at the cut line at even par. You know, you finish at at plus one, you're not gonna make it. You know, you're not gonna make it. Um, I'll uh, you know, Francesco Molinari. You remember he was the guy that hit the ball in the water that gave Tiger a chance last year. Um, he's finished. Um, let me see if I can give you. Bryson DeChambeau, which it does not look like, uh, you know, he has a chance to, he has a chance to make the cut, and you know he's playing tomorrow regardless because he has to finish his second round. Um, but let's see if he can make, if he can play Saturday afternoon. He right now is at plus one on his uh, hidden. He has a plus three for the round, plus one for the, plus three for the day. Plus one for the entire tournament. He's at his twelfth hole. So if he can finish at an even par, he can continue to play. Um, he can continue to play uh, into uh, into the day on uh, on Saturday. His chances of winning the uh, his chances of winning the tournament are out. He screwed up on the third hole. You know he's you know in case you're not familiar of who he is, he's a golfer with stupid with the stupid hat on, a little stupid looking Kango cap that's got like that's a it's so ugly looking of a hat that tries to overpower the golf course, hit the ball as far and as powerful as he can. You know instead of instead of using every ball in his bag, he tries to essentially hit every ball onto onto the green. And it came back to backfire on him, and and a huge debate was, well, is he is he going to be able? You know, he's won championships doing like that, doing that uh, way before. Is he going to win? Is you know, is he going to win Augusta using that same strategy? And it doesn't look like that he will. Him trying to overpower the golf ball because he got, uh, I guess you say he got unlucky. And then you can also say that he, you know, it, he was, you know, it served him right because you know, trying to overpower the golf course, he hits the ball too far right. He's got. He lands the ball in the rough, of course, with no fans there. You know, the fans at least would help the golfers find out where the ball is. You know, stand right. You know, it's right. It's right. No fans, of course, because of Corona. So he has to go out there and basically have a decent picture, decent picturesque memory, photographic memory, 
and basically has to look for the golf ball. You only get three minutes to look for it. He couldn't find it, had to drop a shot, and had to start back up from the tee box all the way all over again. And he and I believe and I believe he triple bogeyed. Uh, he triple bogeyed that hole. So if if he does get lucky tomorrow morning and finishes and ends up making the cut, you can't win the Masters when you triple bogey. You just can't do it. Not when the field has been this good. All these guys are under par. You know, Ricky Fowler at minus four, Phil Mickelson, Brooks Kepka minus five, Patrick Reed minus six. Justin Rose, minus seven. Tiger Wood, beginning of today on Friday, he was in fourth place with a minus four. He's sitting at an even par. He bogey. In fact, let me give you a scorecard. He's sitting at even par for the uh, for round two, uh, minus four throughout the entire tournament. Uh, he uh, he did he did not bogey. He, he did not bogey at all yesterday. Um, he bogeyed twice. He bogeyed twice on the third hole. He bogeyed, and on the seventh hole, he bogeyed. He's birdied holes two and two and eight. He did not birdie at all uh, yesterday. Um, so if Tiger can stay out the double bogeys and lessen the birdies and get more, or excuse me, lessen the bogeys, get no double bogeys or triple bogeys, and just get pars, birdies, and Mainly an eagle or two, he could play himself in the position to repeat as Masters champion come uh, come Sunday. But he just because don't get it twisted, just because he is right now tied twenty second minus four, he still got he still got eight more holes after the second round, and he's got all of the third and fourth rounds. So this so it is not out of the question under any circumstances. That uh that Tiger could end up uh, doing the impossible and repeating as Masters champion, Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson are in the mix. Hope and let's see if they will hold on heading into uh let's see if they can hold on heading into uh, Saturday and Sunday. And then of course you know on Sunday you will have the two Americans again if you care, Justin Thomas and Dustin Johnson. That's where you stand right now with the golf. A uh, very competitive, very intriguing golf. Um, you know, got a whole bunch of guys, whole bunch of guys sitting at sitting at a minus one or better. Tony Finau, the last guy on the leaderboard that's under par with a minus one. He shot a plus two though. He's only through eleven holes. He shot a plus two so far on the day. Um, and and uh, and that's where you stand as far as um as far as the masses are concerned Sergio Garcia withdrawed earlier this week cuz he tested positive uh for coronavirus but uh, you know what I've been into the masters I'm typically I'm into it I'm into it typically during the normal parts of the year in early in early April you know it's it's sort of you know it welcomes you into the spring season the quote unquote kickoff of the uh, or tee off, I should say, of the of the golf season for not just the pros, but for the people that go out there and play it on a day in day out basis at the little country club or at their uh, public golf place. Um, they had to, of course, push it back because of coronavirus. It's been competitive. It, you really don't know. You know, you're gonna miss the fans it, when it gets tight. When it gets competitive on the back nine, you're gonna miss that roar of the crowd, especially if Tiger's in it. You're gonna miss that. Um, but up until now, the crowd, the crowd has really not made that much of a difference to be quite honest with you. I mean, it's just, it's been competitive, intriguing, compelling golf all the way around. 
And if you're into the Masters, if that's your one little golf event, as you know, that's my, you know, I care about golf when it comes to this tournament and this tournament alone. All the other times I could care less than when it comes to the Masters with all the history, the tradition and the prestige of the tournament. I, I, I get into it totally. And the fact that you essentially, other than the Masters, other than that, you have football makes it easier, makes it easier too to get into instead of having to worry about the Masters and then baseball and playoff, you know, and playoff basketball, you only have, you only have football on. And if I wanted to, I'm not going to, but if I wanted to, I could be sold into the Masters until, uh, uh, you know, until, until they delivered the green jacket to the 2020 winner if I wanted to because my Bengals don't play till 425. So I could spend the the 1 o'clock, the 4 o'clock hour solely on the golf. Not going to because I'm a football junkie and I got this show to do and I got to have an idea of what the heck's going on as far as the National Football League is concerned. But if you're into golf and if you're into the Masters especially, this should be, you are set up for a very good, good, if not great, Masters weekend. Unusual abnormal middle of november instead of early april but we should but if you're a golf fan whether you know you you should be into it and you and it will be one hell of a weekend at augusta national and listen i understand you don't like golf i was boring as dull you know who cares i understand that i totally do but i'm sports talk guy I'm here to talk to sports. And if there's one time I'm going to dedicate, if there's one time I'm going to dedicate some airtime to golf, it's the Masters. The Masters. Especially, especially when Tiger Woods is in the mix. Especially. Especially. This has been another episode of the Yamatelica TIS podcast. If you're new to the program and like what you heard, please subscribe. Follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it T I S. Follow the show on Instagram at Amatel underscore podcast. It's your boy Josh Shield. Stay safe, stay healthy, everybody. Enjoy the Masters and enjoy Week Ten of the National Football League. And if you're into college football in this uh, ridiculous uh, mess of a season, enjoy that too. It's your boy Josh Shields. Talk to you Wednesday. I promise you. This is the Amatelica Tell You Podcast. See you.